Welcome back, baseball fans, to episode 40 of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. We are going to cover the May Power Rankings, our May Awards. Uh, we have a little bit of news for you and the good old staples that you can expect on every uh, end-of-week episode, being Rounding Third Player Watch, our Lock of the Week, and Sunday Night Baseball Preview. Roll the intro, Max. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Episode 40, you know, not a particular milestone, but feels real good to me. Uh, we're back. A great day. We're going to cover, uh, really excited to get into our May conversation, May awards, May rankings. Yeah, and I, I mean, we got to talk about that intro. Lou Gehrig, it's a pretty, well, I guess yesterday was a pretty special day. The second annual Lou Gehrig Day, which is recognized by Major League Baseball, Um Obviously, that's our intro, one of the greatest speeches ever. Um, so I, I guess we can talk a little bit about him, James, if you want to say some things. Uh, I've got some things to say as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd start with just the baseball player. I think it's easy, this disconnect, because we're so used to the modern era, your modern players. But, like, Luke Eric was a savage, career 340 batting average, 2,700 hits, 493 homers, and nine. 1,995 RBIs. Of course, his career was cut short because of ALS or Luke Eric's disease, as it's sometimes referred. But I saw a graphic. I mean, this guy was on a tear. I think he averaged 140 RBIs over eight consecutive seasons. So just one of literally one of the best players we've ever seen in the game of baseball. Incredible leader, you know, and, and obviously a huge reason that ALS has had the funding and the research that it has had as of recent. Yeah, I mean, Lou Gehrig was a, a Yankee legend, right? I mean, he in June 1st, 1925, he took over for Wally Pipp for the Yankees at first base. And from that moment on, he played 2,130 consecutive games, which is only second to Cal Ripken, who we talked about before, who played 2,600 games. But Lou Gehrig in second with 2,130 from June 1st, 1925 to April 30th, 1939. He didn't miss a single game. And the gap between him and the third place, who's Everett Scott, is Everett Scott is 1,307 games played. So, I mean, a guy who took over for Wally Pipp at first. And it's funny, Wally Pipp was sick the day that Lou Gehrig um, like, took over for him. And he he said that those were the two most expensive aspirin he's ever taken because he never he never got his job back and Lou Gehrig became Lou Gehrig I guess so pretty funny story there so we definitely had to highlight talk a little bit about him uh, of course he's the intro the speech his famous speech from his last game uh, so shout out Lou Gehrig you know pointing up and uh, if you want to celebrate go donate donate to ALS Re- ALS research. Uh, it's really important cause uh, needs more funding, very dangerous disease, scary disease that we don't really understand. Well, now that, you know, we did this at the end of April and now we're going to be doing it at the end of each month today, as we're recording, this is June 3rd. So we just finished up the month of May. And as we did in April, we are going to break down our top five teams each of us will give our top five teams, our player of the month, our pitcher of the month, and our rookie of the month. All three of those will give each of ours. Um, I, I'm wondering how much crossover we have. I expect a little bit, naturally, um, but it'll be interesting to see. James, I think we should start with the power rankings. So top five teams in all of baseball through the month of May. I, I do imagine where this is where there will be the most crossover, but I'll hand it over to you. Give me your five teams. Go on a little bit of a monologue. Tell me why you chose these five teams. Yeah, you know, 
I don't think this is going to be a surprise. It's a pretty standard list, so I'll take you through the whole list. I'll give some justification, and then I'll drop an Easter egg of my first two off my board. Uh, so starting at first, I have the New York Yankees, followed by the Los Angeles Dodgers. The New York Mets are my third. This one hurts me, but at four, I have to put the Houston Astros. Could be a little bit higher than on, on some other boards. In the fifth spot, this one, really three teams I was between. I had to give it to the Padres. Um, so a little bit of the justification. The Yankees now have the best ERA in baseball. They've been beating the hell out of the baseball, uh, mainly courtesy of Aaron Judge, who's playing lights-out baseball. They just look like such a wagon. Uh, it looks like no one's really playing baseball at their level with maybe the exception of my second-place team, the Dodgers, uh, just coming off a brutal sweep at home by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Again, 1-5 versus the Pirates this season. But outside of that, they have looked just incredible. Again, like the Yankees, almost unbeatable. The pitching is nuts. The hitting, Mookie Betts is on a different planet. Um, and then the Mets, they've been right there. They've been really strong. And, of course, this is happening without Jake DeGrom and Max Scherzer. Uh, but they continue to find ways to win and slug out games. And the Astros, I mean, on the bat, we'll talk a little bit later. Jordan Alvarez, he's been playing incredible, played himself into a nice juicy extension, um, which we'll cover in the news. Again, the pitching there, just an incredible pitching organization there. And I have to give it to the Padres, who have not missed a beat without Fernando Tatis Jr., their best player, one of the best players in baseball. Manny Machado looks absolutely incredible. So that's why the Padres are there. They're very much in the discussion. And thank you to your St. Louis Cardinals for sweeping the Padres and keeping them behind the Dodgers in the NL West rankings. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty similar. I'm going to go from five to one here. I don't like the Padres pick just because, I mean, last night left a sour taste in my mouth since I wanted them to beat the Brewers and they blew a four-run lead or whatever. Rodgers, one of the best closers in baseball, blew it. They lost that game, then they got swept by the Cardinals. I just couldn't put them there. And in fifth place, I'm just going with the Blue Jays. And kind of my justification for this is when I when I made these power rankings, you know, my thought process was if I'm looking at a seven-game series, who do I think would win? And now I was going between the Blue Jays and the Brewers, for this five spot and, you know, personal bias, I didn't want to pick the Brewers, but I just felt like if, if they played a seven game series, the Blue Jays and the Brewers, who do I think would win? And I, I just had to go with the, the Blue Jays. I know the Brewers have great pitchers and Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Lauer, but the Blue Jays have good pitching too. Gossman, Hinjin Ryu, uh, Berrios, Alec Manoa have been great. Yusei Kikuchi. And I just think the offense, uh, the offensive production of the Blue Jays, is too good. Um, fourth place, similar. I, I like. I think three and four here are pretty easy. I think fourth place, you have the Astros. They're just good. They're a good team. They have been for the past, you know, several years. They extended Jordan today. They're a well-managed team. They've got. They play good defense. They hit the ball really well, and they're in a division where they're able to to win a lot of games. So Astros at four and th third place, the New York Mets. And I, I think this says a lot about the Mets. You know, they don't even have Jacob DeGrom. They don't have Max Scherzer. And they're they're just playing really well. Taylor Walker's been good. Uh, Chris Bassett's been pitching really well. They have the most hits in baseball. They have the highest batting average in baseball. They have the highest on-base percentage in baseball. Just top to bottom, they're getting good production. And I think Buck Showalter is just a really, really good manager. Second place. I went Yankees at number two. Um, this was tight for me. And, and really uh, similar to how I justified the Blue Jays versus the Brewers, it's just if I looked at the Dodgers and Yankees, it's who do I think if they were to play a World Series right now, who do I think would win in the seven-game series? I would just give the Dodgers the nod. So I put the Yankees at two. They're amazing. Nestor Cortez is unbelievable. Garrett Cole is great. I mean – they almost threw a perfect game last night, right? Um, they have the fewest home runs allowed. They're leading in all of these advanced pitching metrics. If you look at expected batting average, which looks at batting average 
um, based on exit velocity, launch angle, and sprint speed of the batter, and this is from a pitching standpoint, their opponents have the lowest expected batting average, lowest slugging percentage, lowest expected on base average, lowest expected weighted on base average per hit balls that are um, that the, the batter makes contact on. They just, you know, they've got great pitching. And despite some lackluster offensive production from, you know, guys like Rizzo or Aaron Hicks or Joey Gallo, I, th- I think they're, they're getting runs and just they're a great team. But in my number one spot has to go to the Dodgers, I think. I know they got swept by the Pirates. That happens. Good news for them is they don't play the Pirates again this year. But they, they had a great win last night against the Mets in a series that I'm really interested in. But they have the most walks in baseball. They have the highest slugging percentage. Um, and in a lot of those advanced pitching metrics, they're right behind the Yankees. And I just think with the star power this team has, Mookie, Freddie, I mean, all the guys, the list goes down, the list goes on and on. I, I just have to say the Dodgers are the best team in baseball right now. So Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, Astros, Blue Jays, those are my five best teams in baseball. Yeah, we were right about there. And again, I probably put the Dodgers at number one. I know they were one on my April ranking. So a little bit of me fighting the hometown bias and again, recency bias on that sweep. You know, I'm not at a DEFCON five, like everyone, we need to freak out. But it's it's hard for me to when you're getting swept by one of the worst organizations in the history of baseball to, uh, you know, pet them at one. But I mean, our things were exactly the same. I'll say Brewers were my six. They were first off the board. I yep, actually had same. Angels at seventh off the board, and then the Blue Jays at eight. So Angels, really? They've lost like nine straight or something. Yeah, I know, eight but straight. I'm looking – again, it, it's looking at – I think that this is – and again, I've kind of switched my position on the Angels. I think they're really slumping, but I feel like this is just kind of a temporary slump. I think, again, if you pit them, you know, highest stake seven-game series as you sit, I, you know, maybe there's an angle there. Probably should have the Blue Jays there. Recency, just month of May. Um, so, yeah, and maybe the Padres are a little high, again, NL West biased on uh, my part. But no shocker there with the top four. I think that's a pretty consensus top four across all of baseball. Yeah, I, I would agree. The fifth spot, you know, I was mainly between the Blue Jays and Brewers. Padres were there, but I just felt like with their recent slump, I, I couldn't justify it. And similar with the Angels, I wanted to find some reason to put the Cardinals in there. I I know I couldn't. They're a top 10 team, but I, you know, I, I just couldn't do it. Um, but, but yeah, I agree. I think, to me, I think the Mets at three and the Astros at four are you know, kind of locks. I, I, I wouldn't really want to flip them either way. And I think the Yankees and Dodgers are pretty tight at one and two. And then the five spot can go either way, like you said. Um, but, but how about the players? I mean, this is where I think, well, I don't know. I think there might be some discrepancy here. But give me your players of the month. Yeah, you know, you want both divisions or both leagues? Sure, go ahead. All right, so my player of the month, American League, no doubt, very low-hanging fruit, but I also think at a certain point you have to call it how you see it. And there has been no player in the American League in the month of May better than Aaron Judge. I mean, he was a stud, had a 3.11 batting average over the month, a 1.07 OPS. Uh, he's second in the AL with that OPS. Uh, his 12 homers was tied for league lead uh, with his 25 RBIs, also second in the American League. So it's just he is having about the best contract year possible. And, you know, it's a pretty easy pick, but I, I felt like there's no one else I could look at in the American League and justify pitting over Aaron Judge. Yeah, who, that's fair. Who's your, who's your AL player of the month? Let's go that way. Yeah, I mean – so today the MLB released their players of the month, and it was Aaron Judge and Paul Goldschmidt. I I honestly, <laughs> I probably should pick Aaron Judge. I think he's the best player in the American League. But if I'm just looking at May, I, I didn't want to pick him. I, I just didn't. When I looked at somebody else's stats, I just thought that their team was surging. 
and he was a big part of it. And his improvement since April has just been tremendous. We haven't seen him play like this. And that's J.D. Martinez from the, the Boston Red Sox. In the month of May, he's batting 406, a 467 on base percentage, and a 1.07 OPS, the same as Judge. He's not a big home run hitter. You know, Judge obviously has 19 home runs. I did check today. He's still just over the pace for 60 on the year. But um, J.D. Martinez only hit four home runs in the month of May, but 15 RBIs, 12 walks in May compared to only five in April. 20, um, and in April, he had a 278 average, and in May is a 406 average, almost a 300 bump on his OPS. I just think that the way that team's playing, the way they've been, been able to surge, I think he's just been super, super consistent. I mean, if he's getting a hit in over 40% of his at-bats, got to give him some credit. Um, you know, if, if I were to draft a team based on in the American League, he would, he would not be my first pick. But in the month of May, I, I just think he's been really good. I, I think he's been really good, and, and I'm going to give him the nod here. I like the pick. It's kind of sneaky. I feel like J.D. Martinez's recent surge has been very underreported, very much Trevor Story on the same Red Sox team has kind of overshadowed him. Of course, Judge is getting most of that American League coverage. Uh, even Vladdy's having a little bit of a bounce back as of late. Um, yeah, I, I like the pick. He has been just a contact monster. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And um, – before before you give me your National League pick, I just want to say, don't make the wrong choice here. Oh, don't, get out of here. Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And if we are being completely fair, keeping all things equal, look, there's only two players that are even in question here. I think it logically makes sense. They both fall into our teams. I'm going to give you the alley-oop and hope that you pick your team's respective player. Uh, so with that, look, the month of May, to me, it was Mookie May. The whole month was about Mookie Betts. I know you're going to have your pushbacks, and, and your reason is valid. But again, some of the stats that Mookie Betts put up, uh, he was the first Dodger since Duke Schneider in 1954 to score 30 or more runs with 31 scored. Um, again, he had 85 total bags. The That happened once uh, in April with Beltre. Uh where he had 87, and then again back to Duke Snyder. 27 RBIs in the month, a league leading or tied for a judge with 12 home runs in May, 10 doubles, that's 22 extra base hits on the month. Batted 342 uh, with a 1.157 OPS uh, with a 746 slugging as part of that. So, I mean, it was the best month that Mookie Betts has had with the Dodgers, one of the best months in a career that has already been marked with an MVP award. So that's why it was Mookie May, incredible stuff from him. And I, I assume I can guess your pick, but... Yeah, I mean, it's an obvious pick. The MLB picked him. He's the hottest player in baseball, Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, th I mean like, there's not much more you can really say about how well he's playing. He's on a 25-game hit streak. Um, in, in of his last like 39 hits, 21 of them have been extra base hits. He's batting 404 in May, 471 on base percentage. His OPS is a 1.288. In April, he hit one home run. It was three weeks before he hit his first home run. And right now he's one home run behind the league leaders because he hit 10 home runs in the month of May. That's about one every three days. He had 33 RBIs, which is over one a day in May. I mean, he is just firing on absolutely all cylinders. The only player that has a longer active hit streak than him is Trey Turner. But, I mean, he is just, he is just on an absolute tear. It, it's, it's really remarkable. Even today, he had a three-run home run to take the lead, kind of blow things open today. There's really not much more you can say about how well Paul Goldschmidt is hitting. And, and keep in mind, this is a guy that when this season started, a lot of the talk was about how he's kind of not, he's not, you know, hitting well to start the season. He had an amazing spring training. And then he comes into to April only hitting one home run after, you know, a quite a big slump to start the year. And he is just firing on absolutely all cylinders right now. I mean, there's not really 
much more you can say about him. In my opinion, I think he is the best player in baseball right now and the front runner for National League MVP. Yeah, you know, I do agree with you. I think he's the absolute hottest player on the planet. I think he's the absolute best hitter in the MLB um, for this month. You know, I will say just going into a podcast or this podcast, knowing that you're a Cardinals fan, I'm a Dodgers fan, and these are the only two, it logically made sense. I'll do my guy, you do yours. Um, Again, I think Mookie Betts had an incredible month. Uh, Just it was overshadowed by Paul Goldschmidt having a slightly better one. Um, Now, granted, Paul Goldschmidt should, in theory, have way more power than Mookie Betts. You know, that didn't realize in the – home run category, but obviously in the extra base category, you're getting that in the slugging, you're getting that. But yeah, just a, what a tear by Goldschmidt. I mean, I'm, I don't know. Is it too early to say that he is coming for the hit streak? Is he going for DiMaggio's streak? <laughs> we'll see. It's, I think, um, I think Roger Hornsby has the longest Cardinal hit streak. It's somewhere in the thirties. I think it's 33 or, or something like that. Um, which is, it's the 19th longest in baseball. I, I know it's the 19th longest. It might not be 33. But Stan Mand and Albert both hit the 30 mark, Albert in 2003. Um, but, I mean, there's no way he doesn't keep getting hits at the way he's playing. And plus, playing the Cubs right now, doubleheader tomorrow, Sunday night baseball on Sunday. You know, they, they don't have the best rotation, so a good chance to get some more offensive production. Um and, and I just got to say, like, Mookie's a great pick. I love Mookie Betts. I love watching Mookie Betts. Um, I think he's just one of the most electric players in baseball. So it's definitely a great pick. I think any other month he wins it. Um, but Goldie just happens to be on an all-time tear. And important to note, because of the MLB um, players of the month, Arenado won April, Goldie won May. Cardinals just owning the National League. Yeah, I think the the only thing I would say in the that maybe could be a benefit in the Mookie over Goldschmidt debate would just be taking in all the non-hitting elements of the game. Obviously, Mookie's speed on the base paths unlocks just a tool that Goldie can't do. You know, the there. defense in right field. You know, Goldie's very good first baseman, but again, very low premium for a defensive position there. So, so maybe slight difference there. Again, I I would give the nod to Goldschmidt though. I think the MLB player of the month pick. I think that's the right pick. Um, I mean, but Mookie wait, Betts. Goldie is a four-time Gold Glove winner. Yeah, I just eh, I don't think I think having the best defensive right fielder matters more than having the best defensive first baseman would probably be my take. I I would disagree with that take, but but that's fine. I mean, dude, just go stand on the bag, just catch the ball. It's not that hard. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Goldie's very good. I just think the, I guess the way I would say is there are probably a lot of balls hit the first that maybe Goldschmidt is, there's five players in the league who, and Goldschmidt's one of them who could field them. I think that there are at least five or six instances in May where there was a ball hit to right field that there's one fielder in the game of baseball that gets to it and it's Mookie Betts. But Again, you know, I think in an unbiased way where I, I knew that you weren't going to have Goldschmidt there, he probably is the pick of the month. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, you're right. It's not one or the other, too. Like, they're both great in their own ways. It's, it's not like one has to be better than the other. I, and, I, and, you know, we didn't talk too much about defense. But, yeah, offensively, and I'm just looking at baseball reference right now, in the National League, Goldie leads in hits – batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, and obviously OPS plus because his OPS plus is at 200, which is the max it can be because he's 100% better than the league average. Um, so that's – well, it's, it's, it's not the highest it can be, but it's pretty good. It's a, it's a ridiculous standpoint. I mean, it's already just doesn't make sense. I'm interested to get into the rookie of the month conversation. Um, okay, we're going rookie. Sounds good. And, and see where we went there. So for AL, you know, I think right now, in my opinion, this guy would be leading for the award anyways. His May was decent, and I'm going with a pitcher pretty easy. I'll, I'll just drop the name. I'm going Joe Ryan, Minnesota Twins. I think he's been a massive, massive reason for the Twins' success. The month of May stats aren't 
incredible. Uh, that's because he had one start where he just got shelled by Houston, picked up a nine ERA in that game. Uh, so over the month of May, he had four starts. He had a no decision, two wins, and a loss. That loss was the Astros game. He's got a 3.98 ERA and a 1.4 whip, which, again, not great numbers holistically for the month. Uh, that one game really skewed that, though. I'm not interested in really taking the game out of the stats, though. I don't think that's fair. But just on the season, a 2.28 ERA, a .99 whip, which, again, that's base runners per inning more or less. So just really incredible stats. His two wins were just electric performances. Like he looks like a legitimate first or second option as a rookie. So if you can get that, you're sitting in a great spot. I think he's been huge for Minnesota. Recently added to the COVID list. Uh, so good luck getting off that soon. Yeah, I mean, it's a good pick. I, he's definitely up there. Um, we've talked about Joe Ryan before, how he's, you know, he's honestly has a chance at AL Cy Young. I, maybe not legitimately, but a, a decent shot. Um, I didn't go this way. I want somebody, you know, when you started saying you, you know, this is an obvious pick for you, I thought you were going to go with who I have. Um, but I'm going with Jeremy Pena from the Houston Astros. Um, Carlos Correa's replacement at shortstop. I think this guy has just been incredible. Um, you know, all season he's been great. In the month of May, he has a 333 average. His OPS is just under 900. Um, in he's just been great. He has a um, he has the highest outs above average defensively um, in all of baseball as a rookie coming in to replace Carlos Correa and. You know, there was hype around this guy because he had big shoes to fill. He was filling Carlos Correa's shoes, who's been with this team for the past, however, this whole Houston run. And they've had Carlos Correa as a constant at that shortstop position. And now Jeremy Pena, a young guy, has to come in and fill those shoes. He's done an incredible job. He's only 24 years old and he's done more than just fill those shoes. I think he's a fantastic replacement. Um, and if you just look at his stats across the board, he's in the 96th percentile for sprint speed, his expected slugging percentage, which like I said, is not his actual slugging percentage, but his slugging percentage that would be expected based on his sprint speed, his um, uh, launch angle off the bat, his hard hit rate, his barrel rate, all those types of stuff. And it's in the 86th percentile of baseball. And again, we're talking about a rookie. So, you know, month of May, he's batting, he's getting a hit in one in every third at bat. He's got four homers, 13 RBIs, 27 hits and 81 at bats, nine runs scored, three doubles. I, I like Jeremy Pena. I honestly think he will win rookie of the year, but we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I think he, in my head, he's in a position where he's playing so good. I don't even count him as a rookie anymore. Like, it's just like this guy's just a staple of baseball. Like, I don't know. You expect rookies to be like, uh, like decent plus, if you will. And it's like, no, this this guy is just a serviceable one. He's, he's, I think he's a, probably a top 10 shortstop in baseball. You know, maybe that's a bit of a roundup, but he's certainly uh, at league average, if not better. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I respect the pick again. I, Look, pitting the Astros in my power rankings was hard enough. I don't know if I could keep layering in players there. He's been a stud. Only other person that was on my radar is Julio Rodriguez, who's picked it up a lot since uh, starting and been always been a wagon. I mean, J-Rod's the future. But, yeah, Jeremy Pena, I like the pick. Yep, yep. How about nationally? Where'd you go with this one? I'm curious, because this is a bit tougher of a pick, I think. This one's interesting. I, I'm... It will be interesting to get your reaction. Again, I, I'm not sure I made the right pick, but it's the pick I wanted to make. And that's because this is a guy who has not even played the full month. He's only played about the last third of May. That's your guy, Nolan Gorman. I had to pick him <laughs> because he comes in, and again, it may be the wrong pick simply on the basis of not having played enough games in May. He's only played 10 games, but to me, he already feels like a staple of the St. Louis team. I mean, he's got two homers in those 10 games, seven RBIs, five walks, but he's hitting that 387 batting average, 
with a 472 uh, on base percentage, slugging at 677. That's a 1.149 OPS, which is like really, really good. He's 12 for 39 over those 10 games. Again, maybe short sample size, but to me, like, he's already, and I'm interested to hear your perspective as a Cardinal fan, he's already like making notable and sizable contributions to the team. That's why I almost had to pick him. You have a team that's certainly top 10 power ranking team who's getting meaningful production from a rookie, Nolan Gorman, my rookie of the month. I mean, I like the pick because I like Nolan Gorman a lot. He's our top prospect and he's playing great. And, you know, I'm sure you got those stats yesterday, but he did hit another homer today, an absolute fucking bomb. 426, I think, out in Wrigley. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's a good pick. I like Nolan Gorman a lot. I don't think he deserves it necessarily just because he's kind of, you know, he hasn't played a ton. But his numbers in Memphis have been great, and, and even coming up now, he's he's been, you know, really productive. So I, I think he has a chance to honestly win Rookie of the Year if he keeps his production up. But, you know, I love the pick. I went somewhere else. Um, This is a guy that I just think kind of has to get the award. Um, And this is a guy that has kind of like an interesting history. And that's the San Diego Padres pitcher, Mackenzie Gore. Um, So he, he has like kind of a crazy story. So he was the top ranked pitching prospect entering the COVID season in 2020. But, you know, something kind of went wrong. His delivery fell out of sync and out during the shutdown and, he just kind of tumbled and tumbled going from alternate training site and his mechanics were tumbling, his velocity, his velocity dropped. Um, and the Padres skipped over him for uh, a call up that year for some lower rated prospects. And in 2021, he came back, made six starts for the AAA El Paso team for the pro for the Padres before they demoted him further to try to rebuild his delivery. Um, and now, you know, he's come in this year and he, keep in mind, he's 23 years old. So like, he's still super young, but this year in eight start or seven starts, he's appeared in eight games, but seven starts, he's three and one has an ERA at 1.71. His whip is at just over one averages over 10 strikeouts a game, three walks per game, and 0.2 home runs per game. Um, He's just been really good. He's in the upper quarter percentile for strikeout percentage, upper quarter percentile for fastball velocity. And I I just think he deserves the nod right now with how well he's pitching and how well he's done thus far in this season. And again, I think the National League pick is a little difficult. Um, for in April, you had Seiya Suzuki, who was, you know, dominant, but he's kind of fell off. I know he's hurt, so he hasn't been playing. And then, you know, again, across the boards, you've got these Cardinal guys like Yepes, Brandon Donovan, um, and even, even Gorman now, but you know, there, there's, there's not much there, but I, I like Mackenzie Gore and he's done more than enough to deserve the nod here. Yeah, I, I like to pick if you're going to go pitcher. I think there's no question there. I, I don't know if – I didn't feel like I could go two pitchers, and I wanted the Joe Ryan, but Mackenzie Gore, he has been an absolute weapon for San Diego. I think I, – I do like that pick. Look, he played the month. I think the only problem with my Gorman pick is his lack of games. But, again, this, this is a hard pick, and to me uh, – again, he also has the same argument, though. The Padres are playing incredibly well. And even more so than Gorman, you can point to Mackenzie Gore as part of that reason. Definitely, definitely. How about pitchers? So Cy Young of May, pretty much, you know, best pitcher in May. You know, pick pick which league you want to go first and, and give it to me. All right, I'm going to start in the National League with one of my favorite pitchers in baseball who's been on an absolute tear in the month of May. We're going to Miami, Sandy Alcantara. Again, if you are a pitcher named after Sandy, the great Sandy Koufax, you're in a great position. He certainly backs it up. Uh, his last five starts in the month of May, he's 3-1-1. One, one. 
pitched 44 innings with a 2.04 ERA and a .82 whip. So allowing just over two runs per nine innings, allowing under, substantially under one runner per inning. And the longevity here, the duration he can pitch, his last five starts max, he goes seven seven inning pitched, eight innings pitched, nine innings pitched, eight innings pitched, seven innings pitched. So he's getting there, keeping the high velo late in the games, seriously helping Miami where they don't have the best bullpen by eating a ton of innings at a very high clip. To me, it's very clear, Sandy Alcantara, best pitcher in the National League in May. You're 100% right. I went the same way. I, you know, he is just – he's an animal. I mean, the dude is like – how tall – I mean, he's super tall. Um, he's 6'5", 200 pounds. He's 26 years old. His fastball velocity is in the 96th percentile. I mean, basically everything is, is in the upwards percentile. And, yeah, if you look at this month – his first couple starts weren't great, but like you said, if you look at his last five starts, seven innings pitched, no earned runs, eight innings pitched, or excuse me, his last five starts, eight innings pitched, one earned run, 14 strikeouts, and this is in May, or in, yeah, in May, excuse me. His start before that, complete game, nine innings pitched, no earned runs, seven Ks, eight innings pitched, one earned run, seven innings pitched, one earned run. And then, you know, he had a start in June where he went seven innings pitched, eight Ks, no earned runs. I mean, so so what is that? In his four starts to finish the month of May, he gave up three earned runs across 32 innings pitched. He's just, and, and not to mention, they won all those games. And I know, you know, winning the game, they need the run support, which is something that this Miami team kind of struggles a little bit with. But, I mean, he is just dominant. And keep in mind, Two of those game wins were against the Braves, and then the two others were Nationals and Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks have been decent, um, but he is just really, really dominant. I think he has the second-best odds right now to win National League Cy Young, um, and he he's just, you know, he's great. He's great. That's all. I, I kind of figured you were going to go the same way there, and I'm curious to see where your American League is. I I kind of feel like we might have the same guy again, but but give me your American League side. Yeah. Before I even jump to that, I just want to talk about this Miami rotation real quick. Obviously, Sandy Alcantara, yeah. consensus by us, best pitcher in May, not to mention one of the other guys up there for NL Cy Young Conversations, Pablo Lopez. They also have... Um, they also just called up Edward Cabrera, who had an insane in his debut, a 96-mile-an-hour changeup for a strikeout. Absolutely ridiculous. They have Trevor Rogers. I mean, I love this Mariners team as a wagon in the future. As Jazz keeps developing, this could be – already is one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. And the future is so, so bright. So, again, happy with the pick there on uh, Cine Alcantara. Glad that you joined the wave, and seems like that's a consensus. To me, the AL one a little bit more difficult, but I, I, you know, I'm leaning heavy towards the Yankees. But again, I had them as my number one team. A big part of that is the pitcher I'm going to select. My front runner, it's Nestor Cortez. I don't know uh, if that's what you have, but he has just been on an absolute tear. Um, he's averaging over six innings, like I think it's six point one something uh, per start. He's a 2.43 ERA in May with a .97 whip. Uh, he's averaging just over six and a half strikeouts per start as well. Um, so just a nasty May for Nestor Cortez, who, in my opinion, has firmly passed Garrett Cole as the Yankees ace. Yeah, I did go the same way, and I, I'm curious. I don't think you might you might not have the right stats there. He has a 1.95 ERA in May, um, according to ESPN. And it's funny, you know, his his ERA in April was was even lower. It was one point three one, but in May it was one point nine five. Um, his opponent batting average, so batters are only batting one point five point one five eight against him in the month of May. He's just been he's just been totally dominant. Um, and across the season, his WHIP is still under point nine. Um, but I, I think what's great is. Just this guy, 
he was the 36th round pick by the Yankees. And he returned to them as a Rule 5 pick in Baltimore. And then he was traded to Seattle, got released, went back to New York. And now he honestly might start in the All-Star game. I mean, he just has an incredible story. Um, and he's also not doing it conventionally these days. You know, most people, um, modern-day pitchers, you're seeing guys throw over 100 miles an hour. His average fastball velocity is 91 miles an hour, which is in the fifth percentile in all of baseball. Um, and his K rate is in the 85th percentile. His barrel percentage, which is how hard the batters hit, like, you know, right on the barrel, is 87th percentile. So he is just really, really great. Um, and, and I think he's kind of come out of nowhere, maybe not out of nowhere, because, you know, he was a, he was an arm for them, but nobody expected him to start in the All-Star game this year. So, But it's crazy, too, with how he's doing it. You know, you spoke on he's not the normal mix of a pitcher that we're seeing, like a Sandy Alcantara. I like that. A lot of it is just timing and his delivery, and he doesn't have a consistent delivery. He is changing his delivery every single pitch just messing with time and messing with batters. And it very clearly is working for him. Uh, happy to see you had that pick too. So at least we have a consensus amongst our pitchers. Um, again, I think it's pretty easy. The pitchers this month who stuck out. Yeah, definitely. I think those were good picks across the board. Um, and I know we're doing, you know, our rounding third player watch where we pick our player of the week and bad player of the week. I was going to pick Sandy, but I, I had to go a different way. And we, and we will get to that later. We're not there yet. But Sandy and, and Nestor have both been incredible. Um, so I, I think those are good good picks for the month of May. And it'll be fun to track how these things kind of change uh, as, as, the, as we go through the season. Yeah, so, so that rounds out our May player awards and our May power rankings tune back in in June to, to get the updated list and uh, see where we sit. Then uh, I like where the awards are at. Now I, I think we just shift through. Let's uh, get through a couple of the recent news lines. Then we will uh, hit our staples. Um, I think biggest news as of late has to be the fact that the Phillies Fired Joe Girardi, let him go. The Phillies 22 and 29 to start this season, sitting at third place in the NL East. Uh, and Joe Girardi got the hook, one of the more well known baseball managers, obviously from his time with the Yankees. Got the hook out in Phillies. They went with an internal hire to replace him. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I don't know. Did they make him his permanent manager? I know they, uh, they made an interim. Yeah, they, like, it, it just. Yeah, just an interim at this time. Yeah, I mean, I think this is just unfortunate. I think Joe Girardi is a really good manager. I, I don't think the entirety of the blame of this team's underproduction. I mean, and still, they're 22 and 29, right? They could go on a run here and um, maybe catch a wild card spot. There's a lot of season left to be played. But it's just tough. Um, I, I'm positive that somebody's going to hire Joe Girardi again. He's, he's a great manager. But he is the first manager to be fired this year. Um, you know, there are some other managers who are on the hot seat entering the winter. But Joe Girardi, it's tough to see. It's tough to see. I, it, it's not unexpected. There were rumors floating around for the past week, maybe week and a half, that something like this might happen. I just, I, I think it's a little too brash, to be honest. I mean, they're in third place in the NL East behind the Mets and Braves. Like, I didn't really expect them to be anywhere else. I know 22 and 29 is not great, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see because they, they play a series against the Angels interleague play this weekend, another team that's struggling heavily. So that, you know, that's a big series for them. But it's tough to see Joe Girardi go, and I'm looking forward to see where he goes next. Um, and yeah, we'll see what happens to the Phillies the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He's going to get scooped up here pretty quickly. Um, once the next vacancy happens in baseball, I don't think it's on him. I think it's more a knock on the Phillies GM. Look, you put together the roster. It's doing exactly what you wanted. It's hitting home runs and not playing defense. It looks like in 2022 MLB, you have to play defense. I think it's that simple. Um, 
again, I, I think it's a little brash. What are you going to do? Maybe we're wrong. Maybe the Phillies are going to take off, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm with you. Yeah, you know, we'll see where he goes next. Another big story, another one that came out today. One of the best players in baseball, you know, I had him as my player of the week, um, maybe two or three weeks back. Jordan Alvarez secures the bag in Houston, um, signs a six-year, $115 million contract with the Houston Astros. It's a great move by the Astros. I mean, he's arguably their best hitter. He has been for the past couple of years. Great to see them lock him down. And, you know, I know I know you have some things to say about the Dodgers' lack of ability to keep him around. Yeah, I mean, he's been an absolute stud. You know, of course, in 2021, he was ALCS MVP, finished the year with 33 homers and 104 RBIs, batted 277. Uh, again, this year, he's at 272, batting average, so pretty consistent there. Already at 14 home runs and 31 RBIs. He's got a 941 OPS, which puts him at a 171 OPS plus. That means he's 71% uh, better than league average for OPS. Just a stud at the plate. Great signing from Houston. It's about $20 million per year. The way it's structured the last three years of the contract, which is when he would be uh, technically a free agent, he's making $26 million in those years. Um, so really, I think it's a pretty fair deal. You know, a lot of these deals recently, I feel like either the player's getting screwed or the team's getting fleeced. I think this one was about spot on. It's going to be critical to Houston to keep them around. And my one word, it's just sad. The Dodgers normally are an incredible scouting organization, you know, for as much as they get flack for signing players, a lot of their success comes from scouting and drafting. They saw Jordan, they drafted him, they had him. And they traded him like he was nothing for a half-year rental on a relief pitcher. I can't even remember. Uh, uh, maybe the Dodgers' worst trade in the last decade, uh, just off the top of my head. Obviously, you can always play what if. I think they're in a fine position without him. But it would be very, very nice if Jordan Alvarez was in the Dodgers' DH position right now. I think they would maybe be unbeatable. Um so props to him. And he also, have to note this, was not involved in any of Houston's cheating unless they still are cheating, which I don't think so, but could can't cut anything out. So not one of the bad Astros, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But um, definitely a great, great signing. And, and, you know, real quick on that Dodgers thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, the Dodgers spend money. They got Freddie. They got Mookie. But... I mean, most of their talent that they've gotten has been homegrown. You know, Walker Bueller, Gavin Lux, all of these guys that have been come up through the organization belly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jordan was a miss to let them go, let him go. And Houston did a great job securing him. You know, they want to keep this quote-unquote dynasty. I wouldn't say it's a dynasty, but a, like a dynastic run going where they're, you know, been in five out of last six ALCS. And, you know, signing Jordan as a key piece as your DH is a great way to keep that run going. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think the future for this team, it's almost annoying how it's like you had Springer leave and Correa leave and Altuve, Bregman are on the tail ends of their career. You know, not gone anytime soon, but back nine, if you will. But just the future with Jordan Alvarez and Jeremy Pena, you know, Frambler Valdez. Uh, the Astros are going to be around for a while, as much as that pains me. Um, and, and really, that's it. So Jordan got the bag. He'll be in Houston for a while. Other tiny news I wanted to say, don't have a lot to say on it. Russell Martin has retired. Um, I know in the offseason we had like six consecutive shows with retirements. Uh, here's another one. Had to call it out. Russell Martin is one of my favorite catchers of all time. Gold glove catcher. Played for the Dodgers, played for the Blue Jays. It's another team in there that I'm missing, um, but always loved him on the Dodgers. Number 55. Thanks for a great career. Hope retirement treats him well. You know, not super notable, but was a gold glove catcher. Yeah. You know, if this was the offseason during the lockout, we'd have like a 45-minute segment on him. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a notable retirement for sure. He had a great career. Um, you know, not a Hall of Fame caliber or anything like that, but an incredible career for Russell Martin. He had a pretty good, like, 
I, I don't know where the post actually was. Maybe it was Instagram or something, but him and all his jerseys, that was pretty cool. But yeah, great career for Russell Martin. Fun fact about Russell Martin, he is a zero ERA uh, as a pitcher. Come in and uh, he closed the game for LA, one of those player pitching situations. So that's the Russell Martin thing. Now I think to round it out, we have our rounding third player watch. We'll give our locks of the week and preview Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, let's do the player watch. This will be interesting to see where we go with this. You know, one player that's hot, one player that's not. Give me your hot player, James. You know, you said you didn't think we went the same way. I feel the same way. I don't think you picked my guy, but that might mean that we did pick the same guy. Yeah, it worries worries me a little bit that we both have out there picks, if you will. For me, it's a team that they were forever nice. We loved to have just shit on them all season. Still, the organization deserves that. The fans don't. That's the Cincinnati Reds. You know, after starting 3-21, and they have really improved. One of the best records in baseball since that uh, abysmal start. And a good reason for that is Kyle Farmer. So it's May 17th. So, again, you know, it's not the last week, but in the last two weeks, it's May 17th. Farmer's batting 474 with a 1.35 OPS which is the highest OPS in the big leagues in that two-week span. He's 18 for 38. He has two doubles, four homers, and 13 RBIs. The Reds are 8-3 and three in this little crazy stretch we've seen from Farmer. So, again, a team that is lacking a lot of weapons, him turning the bat on and having a scorching hot bat has really helped them uh, win some games. I like the pick. I didn't go the same way, but I, I kind of went out there too. I picked a Toronto Blue Jay who's been having a hot – you know, stretch, and it's not one of those names. It's not Guerrero, Bichette, Matt Chapman, Springer, any of those guys. It's Alejandro Kirk, um, and he's just been on a tear the past week. Um, and he's got some interesting advanced stats, too. So he had one bad game this past week where he went 0 for 5 against the White Sox. But other than that, on July 2nd against the White Sox, he went 2 for 3 with a double and a walk. Um, May 31st against White Sox, he went three for four with two home runs and four RBIs in a game. Uh, and you know, these are all games during this Blue Jays win streak where they've won eight in a row. Uh, before that Angels, he went two for four with four runs scored. And then the game before that, he went one for one before that he went two for four with two runs scored before that he went two for four with a run scored. He's just like, not one of their, like, you know, obviously brand name players. They've got all these all-star guys and he probably almost certainly won't be an all-star but he's been putting up really good numbers the past week and I think he just deserves a nod and if you look at some of his advanced stats he's in the 98th percentile for whiff percentage which means he just does not swing and miss at all um in and also the and you know kind of correlated 98th percentile in K percentage so he doesn't strike out really at all uh, and so he's just done a great job. He's eighth percentile for sprint speed, which is kind of funny. He's very, That's very what I was, was, was going to ask you what his sprint speed was since you're on baseball savant. Yeah, to me, I, I love the uh, Kirk pick. He, he certainly has made the contributions, the Jays games that I've watched. He's been a presence. To me, he's the funniest player in baseball to watch. Like he just like proportionately looks hilarious. Um, I don't know. He looks like a, like a created MLB player, if you will. Like, it's like sometimes I'm like, there's no way this guy can be real. And then he's just a weapon, just an absolute wagon out there crushing the balls. That's a pick I probably never would have been been on. So I'm glad that we didn't uh, find the same ones. So we're kind of an interesting one. I think this is certainly the least name recognition we've ever had combined yeah. as a uh, player watch. Definitely. So get- definitely. Getting more and more how about lock there. of the week? How about how about our infamous lock of the week? Um, well, sh- should we do our bad player first? Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Let's do our bad player. <laughs> Fig- figure we'll finish player watch first. Uh, I was a little split here. I had two to choose from, but because there's the story I want to tell, I'm going to go with one. My bad player of the week, and again, maybe I don't like saying bad player, slumping player of the week, Andrew McCutcheon who was riding an 0-for-32 slump until last night. He had finally breaks the streak with a walk-off single. So, again, and maybe the streak's broken, but either way you slice it, over the last week he's been literally hitless until last night. 
been a terrible run from him. You know, McCutcheon was incredible in Pittsburgh, one of the best batters in the league, has kind of been a journey since. Won an MVP. Since. Won an MVP in Pittsburgh. I mean, it was, I would say, actually the face of baseball there for a couple seasons. Um, he's been a journeyman since. Again, on Milwaukee, he had the first hit of this season, uh, double on opening day. And, yeah, it's just been a little bit of a slow start. Wanted to tell that story of the uh, hopefully that walk-off breaks the streak and uh, sets the tone correct for him. Yeah, I went a guy who's just, you know, I wanted to root for him. He's a likable guy, you know, one of the most likable players in baseball. It's Anthony Rizzo. I mean, he has just been really, really bad. Um, you know, he started the season great. Everyone was like, this guy's going to hit a bunch of homers in April. He hit nine home runs, was batting 273 and had an OPS over one. But in May, he's batting 167 and has an OPS at .58. But in the last seven days, which that's, you know, this is the player of the week. Last seven days, he's two for 19, no home runs. Five strikeouts. He's batting 105, and his OPS is at 258. His his on base percentage is at 100. I mean, he has just not been good. He and and even in the field, he's in the sixth percentile for outs above average. Um, he's just not been good at all. And you know, it's kind of funny because he hasn't been good, but the Yankees are obviously. A very, very good team. You pick them as your best team. I pick them as my second best team. Um, so, you know, it's good to see that they're still winning. But that's why I, I am skeptical about the Yankees a little bit. Because Rizzo has been playing terrible. Hicks is just, you know, barely a single A player. And Joey Gallo can't hit a ball, you know, can't hit the broad side of a barn. So, I, I'm skeptical about their, their offensive production outside of some of their big names. But Rizzo has been really, really bad. Yeah, I like the pick there. Again, Rizzo was scourging hot. I, I think what this tells me is the Yankees must be playing on the road a lot because he doesn't have that short pit, that uh, short porch to just drop a little 55-foot right. home run into. Um, seems to be his strong suit. I'll also add just a fun stat that's hilarious to me. Uh, Joey Gallo has been batting when there's been 97, 97 runners on base. I don't know. I, I'm not saying that in a way that makes sense. He's had at-bats, 97 at-bats with runners on base. He has two RBIs, uh, <laughs> not including home runs, but two actual runs batted in. So, like, that, that is terrible if you're a Yankees fan. That has to drive you nuts. Uh, and, again, Rizzo started out. Him and Judge were fighting for the AL's best player for the, most of April. Um, so, I like the pick there. Yep, yep. You, I, I think those are two good picks. Um how about we go now to Lock of the Week, the infamous segment. Um, wow. Yeah. How I did mean, you do I last week? Up. Honestly, I forget what I even took. I think I had a, I think I had the Blue Jays-Angels game. I had the Blue Jays minus one and a half, I think. And they won by one run, which I think I hinted at last episode. So I, I missed that bet. They won, uh, they won four to three, and I had them at minus one and a half. So... I don't know. Did you, did you get a win? Did you pull ahead of me at all? No, I, I was brutal. I tried to channel the St. Louis Cardinals on Sunday. Oh, and right. uh, yeah. Again, the game went – look, the run differential was exactly what I was looking for. I had Cardinals minus one and a half. They lost by ten. So it was not close. Just runs went the, the wrong way for me last week. That was brutal. I mean, it was one of those where – Luckily, it's almost nice to lose by such a wide margin that, like, you got about the most brutal loss you can get. I just got, like, punched straight in the gut by, like, inning two and was out of there. Yeah, I mean, that was a tough one because it was Michaelis versus uh, Corbin Burns. And it's like, you know, it's hard to get a lot of runs on Burns. And they the, the Brewers got all over Michaelis that day. He still has an ERA under three, but, yeah, tough one. How are you planning to bounce back? What is your path to victory this week? What What's the lock? I'm going with a Sunday night baseball bet. And so this is kind of, you know, you know, we're going to preview Sunday night baseball uh, in our next segment, but it is Cardinals Cubs, the finale of a five game series, including a Cubs win yesterday, 
a Cardinals absolute blowout uh, today of the Cubs. And then a doubleheader tomorrow and a game on Sunday Night Baseball on Sunday. But I'm going to take Cardinals minus one and a half. I'm just going to make it easy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. I have, I'm like one and nine or one and eight or something like that. So maybe I should pick the Cubs so the Cardinals win. But I'm just going to go with it. I think the Cardinals are going to look good. I don't want to, you know, spoil too much. But Wayno's on the mound. I like the Cardinals to to cover minus one and a half. Yeah, I, I like the bet. Again, the Cubs are just not good. Um, Justin Steele pitching for them in that game. Not a great pitcher. Not a great team. Expect the Cardinals to win that uh, with all eyes on them. Surprisingly enough, we did not talk about our picks at all pre-show. I also have a Sunday night baseball pick. Um, mm. I have not given up on my – I think there's something there. I think there's a pattern there with the Cardinals on Sunday. I'm not going to take the run line. Instead, what has been true of the last three games that the Cardinals have played on Sunday, this is a no-brainer. I'm slamming the over in this game. Wrigley Field, Sunday Night Baseball, all eyes, prime time. It's the big game. As we said, Justin Steele on the mound. I'm a little nervous about Wainwright because he may not give up a lot of runs, hoping that St. Louis can kind of help carry me there. I'm taking the over. The over is not out yet on the game, so I will set an arbitrary number. Anything that is 10 runs or under, I'm slamming the over on that. It'll be under 10. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like I expect it to be somewhere around eight, seven and a half or eight probably. Yeah. Um, so anything under 10, which should be 95% of what that line will be, is going to be under 10. Absolutely hammer it. Uh, I, I just want to cash in on this pattern. I mean, to see this pattern and not hit a bet on it is driving me nuts. Uh, I'm going to get off the Sunday Cardinals train next week, I think. But I think this is guaranteed to go over. I like the Cardinals minus one and a half. All eyes will be on Sunday Night Baseball, at least from our podcast, because we'll be talking about it. We'll preview this game, which we kind of have a little bit, uh, and we'll review it. But a lot of bets going on, a lot of stress there. I think we can have a 2-0 and week. I like the bets. I'm confident. I mean, I've been so confident are, in everything. So you've only got one win, too, right? I have two wins, please. You I'm have two wins, right? You're you're one ahead of me, so I, I got some catching up to do. So I, I need a Cardinals like two zero win. Yeah, I mean that that would get you there. I'm, I mean I'm hoping the Cardinals go on a monster. Maybe they put up twenty runs. You know that would be great. Um, I, you know I'm not going to stoop to your level. I am not going to cheer for the Cubs despite your bet. I am pro Cardinals. <laughs> um, on the day, again they. They can use the win. I mean, any win that the Cubs get is useless because they're not going to the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be a good game. I think we'll just transition right into previewing that game. As we mentioned, Adam Wainwright going up against Justin Steele, Wrigley Field, Sunday night. It's going to be a good matchup. I think there's going to be a lot of great energy, especially from the Wrigley Field bleachers. You know, that's a rowdy bunch. Cubs-Cardinals, one of the best rivalries in baseball. Um I mean, that's what it yeah, is. I, mean, I think the Cardinals have the edge. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they definitely have the edge. The Cardinals are 30 and 22. The Cubs are 22 and 30. So just flipped schedules or flipped records. The Cardinals have been looking pretty solid as of late. They swept the Pirates in Pittsburgh. Um, then they split. Uh, they were the, actually the last Blue Jays loss when the Cardinals and Blue Jays had a two-game set, the Cardinals won game one, Blue Jays won game two and haven't lost since. Um, after that, they split two game, split a four-game series with the Brewers, swept the Padres, and are so far one and one with the Cubs in, like I said, a five-game series, doubleheader tomorrow. So, I mean, it, it should be good. I mean, it's a Sunday night baseball game at Wrigley, a big rivalry, it, it should be a really, really fun game. Um, and it's not Mets-Phillies, which is which is good, too. Yeah, no, it's a game I'm looking forward to. Definitely a must-watch game. Um, again, it doesn't have to be the best teams possible to make it a good game or a, a must-watch game. I think that the Cubs will show up. You're going to get their best effort as well um, in this game. Expect a crowded Wrigley on Sunday night and uh, looking forward to it. So that's 
that's the show. I mean, that is what we had to talk about. Episode 40. Again, shout out Lou Gehrig. Appreciate the intro. Uh, everything he did for baseball. Let us know what, what you agree with, what you disagree with. We'll throw some polls up, some graphics. Get on the Twitter. We have clips, graphics, summaries. A lot of content going on the Twitter all the time. That's rounding third now, rounding 3RD now on Twitter. And stay tuned. Some some big things coming uh, in the future of the pod. Some uh, technical upgrades. And also, uh, there will be a special edition episode 42. So, leaking that now. You're, you're not going to want to miss that one. I wonder what that'll be about. Um, but, yeah, James, another good episode. We'll be back soon for episode 41. All right. Thank you, everyone. Round third, head home. Have a great weekend.